Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for being with us. While many suburban residents have easy access to primary care, many neighborhoods in Cleveland have lacked a place where people can receive the proper medical care they need without having to engage in a long commute. But on the near west side, for more than 40 years, that has been provided by Neighborhood Family Practice, which now has seven locations. Neighborhood Family Practice recently welcomed a new leader with Dominic Hobson taking over as president and CEO in April. And he joins us today for The Landscape. Dominic, thanks for being with us and welcome to Cleveland. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation and, and glad to be here to talk about all of the great work that we do at Neighborhood Family Practice. Let's talk about you for a moment. You earned a Master of Public Health and Bachelor of Science degrees from the University of Southern Mississippi. So what led you into this particular field? Uh, just my experiences growing up. You know, um, I grew up in a, in a situation where uh, my family was struggling financially and uh, we didn't always have the resources to pursue or receive some of the best quality care. And I think those experiences that I received as a child, and especially seeing my mother struggle to obtain dental and, and physical primary health care, uh, really opened my eyes to the needed work in that area. And that's drove me you know, in my career through public health to now in the community health center space, really serving the same people that grew up just like I did uh, here in, in Cleveland. Is it difficult to communicate to people sometimes? I never thought about health care. My parents had a primary care doctor. I've always had a job and I had health care for people who've always had it to tell them it's not everybody has it. It's not always so easy to get. It is. I think it's surprising to some uh, that, that many people don't have access to care. And I think it really boils down to um, why community health centers are, are here in the first place. And, and why you know we provide care to so many patients across the country, but especially here in Cleveland. So uh, it's so important from an advocacy standpoint, advocacy standpoint uh, that we do share that so many people still struggle. We know that there's still so many health disparities and uh, barriers to healthcare and barriers to so many other uh, things when we talk about it from an equity standpoint. Um, but it's important for us to have the kind of conversations that we're talking about today to get that message out there and make sure that everybody is aware that um, we all play a role in expanding and make sure that everybody has access to that high quality care. You've done so many things before you came to Neighborhood Family Practice, CEO of the Cincinnati Primary Care, Assistant Health Commissioner of the Cincinnati Health Department. You worked for the VA and, and medical centers in Tennessee, Kentucky. How does all that experience now come into play with what you're doing now? You know, I think with uh, every one of us, all of your life experiences, both at work and outside of work, prepare you for the work that you're doing. And along at, at every step of the way, I think I've had amazing leadership and supervisors and mentors and coaches that have poured into me and prepared me for the work that I'm doing now, especially in VA. I think what's been most helpful from that experience is that it's the largest you know, health system in the world. Uh, and when you have that, they have a lot of resources from the federal government that allow them to really innovate and get creative on how you provide care. And that's why you see that so many things from a healthcare standpoint are started in the VA based on them having the resources to do that. Uh, and from there, I've been able to leverage and, and use those experiences in the large systems uh, to uh, you know, really replicate that on a smaller scale and make sure that we're uh, implementing transformation and innovation within our community health centers uh, to try to do the best we can to provide that high quality care and of course, you know, you mentioned the stop uh, in my time in, at Cincinnati as the CEO and assistant health commissioner. Uh, I think one of the, the biggest things about that experience is just really understanding the importance of public health 
and how it plays into the work that we do from a primary care perspective, uh, they tie in together. Uh, the work that our public health departments do is very much underrated. You know, we talk about a lot of the pre prevention that they do, the, the education, the awareness, uh, keeping our community safe. Uh, it all ties in. And that's one of the things that I'm looking to do here is really expand those partnerships with our local health departments, both the county and the city. You started this job at the end of May as the president and CEO of Neighborhood Family Practice. What have you learned about your organization in the short period of time that you've been there? Just the passion of the people. You know, I, I knew going in just the history of excellence, um, how long we've been around and what we mean to the uh, near west side and to Cuyahoga County in general. But, um, you know, hearing from the team members in the organization uh, as I meet and, and I go out to different sites and, and join different uh, staff meetings, you know, the one thing that I'm asking them to share is either if you've been here less than one year, what brought you to NFP? And then if you've been here for a longer than that, why do you stay? Because we all have a choice. And just hearing the passion, and it, it really boils down to us really being a family and how much we do that wraparound care and treat the whole patient, I think is the reason why everybody comes here. And, and, and that includes me. So uh, just really uh, being able to engage with the team and realizing that their passions and, and their rationale and their reasons for joining NFP are, are the same as I had when I accepted the job here. My description of what uh, NFP does was pretty rudimentary. Can you define the role of what it does exactly? I can. So we are a community health center, uh, which we have a, a federally qualified health center status. Uh, and uh, with that, there is funding from the federal government, from HRSA, that supports our work. Uh, we have seven sites uh, from uh, on the near west side of Cleveland all the way out to Lakewood, uh, and we're providing primary care, women's health, OBGYN services, midwifery services. We have two pharmacies that we operate. Uh, we provide a lot of behavioral health services, including Medicaid, uh, medical assistance treatment, uh, and you know therapy, psychiatry, and a number of different services that we provide, again, with the hope of providing that wraparound care. In addition to that, we are one of the largest um, providers uh, of the screening services, the health screening services to our refugees or newcomers, as we like to call them um, here. And, you know, we, what we found is that uh, we do a great job of treating them as people and many of them decide to stay on with us and receive their primary health care from us. Uh, but we treat patients from infants all the way up uh, to our seniors. So we, we welcome everyone. And we've been very creative in providing care and meeting the needs of our patients, especially in our response to the pandemic. I think you really saw what NFP was over the last two and a half years, where um, it wasn't our role to try to test or, or vaccinate, you know, everybody, you know, that we could, you know, thousands of people across uh, the county. Uh, but we stepped up to try to fill a, a gap and fill a hole. And that really speaks to who we are as an organization. During the pandemic, we saw the use of telemedicine become more and more prominent. Do you think that's something that's going to continue even out? I mean, this pandemic is not over and who knows when it will be, but I mean, do you think we'll see that continue to be used in, in any number of situations? It has to. Um, we Again, we I mentioned earlier about the, the barriers to care, uh, whether it be transportation or all the other factors that some of our patients in, in the community struggle with, uh, with pursuing or you know accessing their care. So we have to be creative and provide care in the means that are most accessible to our patients. So I, I do foresee that uh, for you know forever, 
telehealth will be a part of the modality of care that we provide here at NFP. And I think we'll continue to see more and more of it across healthcare, uh, but there are limitations to it. You know, there are many times where the patient needs to be seen in person. So I think the key thing is going to be finding that balance. And that we also understand that uh, we've seen across, you know, history where when you have a new service or a new type of care that's provided, sometimes that grows those health disparities. We know that some of our our patients may not have the appropriate cell phones for a telehealth visit, or they may not have the data or the internet connection at home. So I think it's going to be important for us to work with our partners, our city governments, our county governments, uh, and and just uh, state and federals at large to make sure that we continue to increase the access to uh, broadband and and some of that data services to make sure that we don't exacerbate those health disparities by moving more towards telehealth. Dominic Hobson joins us today. He is the president and CEO of Neighborhood Family Practice. He joined the organization in April and started really in May. He joins us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. Dominic, I know preparing for an unforeseen pandemic really isn't possible. But what are some of the lessons you think providers have taken away from what we've gone over since these last couple of years that we've been through? What are some of the things they've taken away that are going to be lessons that we can apply to other parts of our healthcare system? I think the biggest one is being flexible and adaptive. You know, again, there's so many providers today that if you asked them three years ago, would they ever provide telehealth, they would have told you no. Uh, there were so many um, people resistant to moving to that type of care. And now we see that as a part of what we do, understanding that, again, it, it isn't the, um, the you can't do everything via telehealth, but there are parts uh, and, and there's ways and there's benefits to it. So I think that's one piece. I think the other one is just the collaboration. Uh, you know, we do a great job here uh, in, in the county with the other community health centers and our other FKCs where we partner around improving the quality of all of the, all of the care that we provide and making sure that we're supporting each other. Uh, but I think there'll be more collaboration. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that I saw uh, throughout the pandemic is that you saw other healthcare organizations really maybe let down their guards a little bit and work across the aisle to partner with some of the, the organizations that were in the past would have been considered competitors, uh, and then really leaning in and, and engaging with our public health system is another key thing uh, to make sure that we are aligned on, on what we're doing and what the appropriate response will be. Of course, I, I think those are the, the key areas that we've learned uh, and that will help us prepare more in the event that we do see another incident or, or episode uh, like we've seen here with, with COVID. You know, of course, it's uh, been a significant impact on everyone. NFP, as we mentioned, has seven sites, the west side of Cleveland, there's one in Lakewood. Do you think there's need for more and what would it take to add another site? That's a great question. And that's that's something that we're trying to answer ourselves. Uh, we're in the final year of our strategic plan and I'll be working over the next uh, six months or so to with the, the organization and our board to go through that strategic planning process with the hope of identifying, you know, are we doing everything we can for our patients? Uh, are there new places that we should be? Are there new sites that we need to open up? Uh, but I, one thing I think is clear to us is there is a lot of unmet need in the community. Uh, although we see over 20,000 patients across the county, there's more people, thousands more people who are not receiving care. And I think it's our duty to make sure that within our means, you know, we are uh, in position to provide those services. But it's going to be doing a very strategic assessment of uh, where our partners are and making sure that if we do add a location, it's in the area that's underserved, that really needs and will benefit from the work that we do. 
Now, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but anecdotally, I'm always talking to people who say, no matter where they live, I seem to have a hard time finding a primary care doctor. Is there a shortage? Is there some reason for this? Is, is this really going on? Uh, you know, primary care, um, there, there is some access challenges, especially uh, in, again, some of the, the underserved communities where, you know, you don't see as many providers, especially when you talk about people who are uninsured or have Medicaid. I think it's especially difficult for them to get into that space. Uh, so you have uh, two issues. You know, you have an issue where there's not enough providers or organizations providing the care, excuse me, organizations, but you also have a physician shortage. And then, of course, we really rely on our great uh, nurse practitioners and some organizations use physician assistance to support to meet that demand. Uh, so I think there there is challenges uh, and there's going to continue to be challenges. And that's why it's so important for us to bring in other integrated services like pharmacy, and, and things like that, because they can provide some services that historically may have been provided within a primary care office when we talk about supporting and treating diabetes or hypertension and really making sure that we are working interdisciplinary teams to address all the patient's needs. But that is a challenge that we're facing here. You talk about the, the NFP really does serve a diverse community. What are some of the challenges that presents in particular? I think, you know, the biggest one is making sure that um, our workforce is matching diversity of our patients. I think that's so important, of course, and in that same light, making sure that our board and our leadership team, again, matches diversity of our patients. We know uh, having a diverse workforce, having uh, diverse thought, diverse ideas makes us better as an organization. Uh, so that it, it, it is a, a thing that we struggle with at times when it comes to recruiting uh, good talent and, and very capable providers and our other uh, clinical and, and non-clinical staff that support the work. And then the other challenge, of course, is that, you know, the one of the best things about Cleveland is that we do have a, a very diverse community, uh, which means they speak many languages. Sometimes we do have difficulty finding the appropriate interpreters. You know, we need to make sure that we're, you know, speaking a language that our patients are comfortable speaking in their preference. Uh, so, of course, when I say looking at identifying diverse workforce, I mean that also in the sense of, um, bilingual staff that can speak and really relate and understand the challenges that our patients are facing. So um, that's one of the issues that we find uh, that we run into, but it's a challenge that we're we're up for. And I think we've done an amazing job expanding our workforce and hiring our staff uh, that represent the community that we serve. You mentioned that NFP has done a lot to welcome newcomers. We've obviously had a lot of refugees or newcomers come from Afghanistan. Who knows we'll see some more from Ukraine. What are the ways that you reach out to them? You know, the great thing about our, our newcomers is they have very close-knit communities. Uh, so when they when they come here, they hear about us before we hear about them, right? Of course, we're one of the partners that we do the health screenings. Uh, so it's almost a thing where um, they're, they're drawn to us because we love and, and, uh, and, and value uh, and welcome them to Cleveland, but also to NFP. Uh, so it's not a, so much about us reaching out to them. It's about how they hear about us and then they come and we support and welcome them in that. Uh, but I do say that, you know, we're always, you know, working from a, a community engagement perspective to make sure that we're doing uh, what we need to be doing to support them in that transition. You know, making sure that we have the right partners that can that we can collaborate with to make sure that they're getting the other services that they need to integrate within our society and be successful and enjoy their time here. You mentioned that you 
you know, collaborate with government organizations, whether it's in the county or for federal. What about nonprofit organizations, churches? Do you, does NFP work with them as well, especially to reach those kinds of communities? We do. We have a lot of great partners, nonprofit, social service organizations. Uh, of course, we are our administrative offices here at May Dugan. Um, so we, there's there's so many key partners that we work with, especially that support our uh, newcomers. Uh, but that's a key relationship that we maintain. We understand we are a healthcare provider, so there's so many other services that our patients and the communities need. And you know, our, our community is better served when our partners, our social service, our healthcare, our government, you know, our non-government organizations are all working collaboratively and pulling in the same direction. Do you have a feel for, in terms of your patients, how many of them are paying with private health care, how many are paying with government care? Do you have any idea on how what those numbers break out to be? Yeah, I don't have them in front of me, but I, I know that I would say um, the majority of our patients are, you know, Medicaid patients. We do have anywhere from maybe 10 to, to 15 percent of our patients that are commercial uh, and then a smaller, a smaller number of them that are Medic- Medicare patients. Uh, and then, uh, um, you know, uh, around six or seven percent of those patients are uninsured. Uh, so, uh, you know, primarily Medicaid, uh, but we do have a good mix of, um, you know, private insured patients, I think. And that really speaks to the quality of care that we that we pr- provide, because all of our patients have a choice on where they get their health care. But especially our patients that have, um, you know, the, the, the better insurances, uh, they, ha- they can go anywhere to get their health care and they continue to choose us. Certainly, it takes more than just the health payments, whether it's Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance to run an organization like NF- NFP. Where else do you turn for funds? You know, we have great and, and longstanding relationships with foundations uh, and, and different donors and partners across, um, across uh, Cleveland. Um, but we also have a, a foundation that supports our work that's a partner to NFP, uh, North Coast Foundation. So you're right, they're, they're, especially when you're an innovator like we are, and we're, when we're continuing to work to try to find out creative ways to provide more services to our patients, we know that we're going to have to rely on the support of private funders to support that work. And again, we've you know we can't thank our our um, supporters enough. Uh, providing those dollars goes a long way for us. Uh, and again, we have some long-standing great partnerships with the uh, you know large uh, and small foundations across Cleveland, but also our our um, foundation that we have does an amazing job of supporting the work and making sure that we're tapping into, uh, but also able to share the amazing work that we do. I think that's why people are so willing to donate and and support us from a financial perspective. I wondered about that because I think there are organizations, whether they're nonprofit or philanthropic, that think that would easily say, well, I'll happily contribute to a food pantry or I'll I'll contribute to a clothing thing for people who are impoverished, but might not think about healthcare as something that is a similar need. Yeah, I think the issue is, you know, the space, you know, you hear a lot of people providing dollars to the larger health systems, right? Like Cleveland Clinic, I'm sure they do an amazing job. They have foundations and they have people who support the work that they're doing. Uh, But that is a a huge part of the work that we do and and our ability to continue to provide the great care that we provide. Uh, But I I think the key is really sharing our message, uh, sharing the success we've had. Uh, the sharing how willing and, and open and how we desire and seek providing care to our newcomers uh, and how you know we enjoy uh, providing care to a very diverse workforce. I think once people learn about that, they are willing to share and support that work financially. 
Dominic, thanks for joining us today and sharing the story of neighborhood family practice. Welcome again to Cleveland and good luck with your good work. Thank you. Thank you. Dominic Hobson is the president and CEO of Neighborhood Family Practice. He joined us today for the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.